0: Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Judges chapter 7, verses 2 to 15, and verses 19 to 21. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday school lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. Gideon's story in Judges chapter 6 and 7 did not begin promisingly. In Judges chapter 6, God hears the cry of the Israelites who are suffering under the persecution of the Midianite raiders. God first called a prophet to speak to the people of Israel. After nothing changed in Israel from the preaching of the prophet, God called through an angel of the Lord, a man named Gideon, to lead Israel to defeat the Midianite raiders. The problem was that Gideon was a no-name, seemingly insignificant man from the weakest clan in the tribe of Manasseh. Was Gideon to become one of God's powerful judges to rescue God's people? When we first encountered Gideon in the scriptures, he was scared about everything. When the angel of the Lord came to him in Judges chapter 6, verse 11, He was threshing grain on a wine press so the Midianites would not see him and take his harvest. He asked his visitor for a sign from God that it was really God asking him to deliver Israel. The sign came through the prepared meal being miraculously burned up and the immediate disappearance of the angel of the Lord. When Gideon became aware that he had actually seen an angel from the Lord in Judges chapter 6 verse 22, he was convinced that he was going to die. The Lord spoke to him in his distress and said, "Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die." Judges chapter 6 verse 23. So Gideon built an altar there and called it the Lord calms our fears. That's verse 24 of Judges chapter 6. And then in Judges chapter 6, verse 27, Gideon obeyed God and tore down his father's altar to Baal. But he did it at night because he was afraid of his family. In Judges chapter 6, verses 36 to 40, Gideon again needed proof that God would help him deliver the Israelites. So he put out a fleece before the Lord. In verses 36 and 37, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. The next morning, Gideon found the fleece exactly as he had asked of God that wasn't quite enough however for gideon to believe so he asked god a second time in judges chapter 6 verses verse 39 this time make the fleece he asked dry and let the ground be covered with dew once again god did exactly what gideon had asked all of these examples simply show that gideon hardly started as the mighty warrior god's angel Titled him to be in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. God was patient with Gideon and promised to be with him. God had commissioned him, not because Gideon was the strongest of all Israel, but rather to show Israel and its neighbors that the God of Israel was the one true God and victory belongs to the Lord. As we begin this week's lesson of Judges, Chapter seven, Gideon had received enough encouragement from the Lord to have positioned himself and his volunteer army somewhere near the spring of Harad. Interestingly, Harad is translated to mean trembling, still another reference to fear in this passage. This spring of water was known as the spring of trembling. Because of the bubbling of its waters emerging from the foot of Mount Gilboa. The bubbling of waters must have made the waters look like they were trembling. Gideon had tested God by asking for three signs one with the angel and, with, and two with the fleeces. Now it appears that God would test Gideon in Judges chapter two, st- chapter seven, starting. In verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups in one group put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night, the Lord said, get up. Go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, And the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore. Too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream. And in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over and knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can only mean one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed and worshiped before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. It was in verse 19, then it was just after midnight, after the chariot, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly, they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hand and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. Gideon had gathered 32,000 men to fight the Midianites. These soldiers would have been men from the small towns and villages across Israel. These were volunteers with military training and without any professional armor or weapons, things like helmets, shields, swords, spears, and javelins were likely few in numbers. I remember when we were serving as missionaries in Kyiv, Ukraine in 2014, the revolution of dignity had just begun. The people of Kyiv and surrounding towns had gone to the city center in Kyiv to protest against the brutal treatment the existing government had unleashed on a group of university students. Crowds in the city center known as Maidan grew to the hundreds of thousands. The military police were sent out by Acting President Viktor Yanukovych to disperse the crowds. A standoff of sorts ensued for months. The military police, decked with all the necessary weapons of war, were coming up against a populace who had no weapons. The people began to create makeshift Molotov cocktails as their defense. I remember hearing that a large group of citizens had taken over one of the government buildings downtown. The message came across Twitter that the people had poured soapy water on the floor of the government building to try to keep the military police from entering. Can you imagine? It was trained military police with weapons against the citizens of Kyiv with soapy water. Gideon's volunteer army was in a similar situation to the people of Kiev in 2014. According to Judges chapter 7, verse 12, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. These raiders of Israel far outnumbered the 32,000 men Gideon had assembled only a few miles away. The warring armies were close enough to each other that both sides would have noticed the smaller sized army of Israel. The author of Judges mentions the camels of the raiding armies. They could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore according to verse 12 of chapter seven. These desert nomads had started using camels for raiding the harvest of Israel and for taking any other plunder they could carry off. In the end, the Midianites were greater in number and far more prepared for battle than was the Israelite army. According to God, however, Gideon had gathered too many men, And God's testing of Gideon begins. In Judges chapter seven, verse two, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. Can you imagine how this must have sounded to Gideon? God's rationale was that if God helped Gideon's 32,000 men defeat the Midianites, the people would boast against God saying, my own strength has saved me, verse two of chapter seven. So God told Gideon to send, a, to send anyone home who was afraid to go into battle. There's a play on words here. Remember that they are at the spring of trembling. God said, any who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. 22,000 men leave, two-thirds of Gideon's volunteer army leaving only 10,000 men. Undoubtedly, the Midianites would have seen the exodus of such a large number of Israel's army. With the first test from God behind Gideon, God brings a second test. In verse 4, God said, there are still too many men. The first group had a voluntary departure based on fear. This time, God would thin out Israel's army even more. He instructed Gideon to take them down to the water for a drink. Those who got down on their hands and knees to sit like mouth to water were to go home. Those who scooped up water into their hands to drink would stay. Another two-thirds of Gideon's army was sent home, leaving only 300 soldiers. Some commentators have suggested that these 300 men that remained were more alert for battle, proven by their position at the water's edge. God's primary reason for reducing the army was not, however, to pare down to a committed core. Instead, God wanted everyone to know that this battle was won only because God fought for Israel. You see, human weakness can be the avenue if we're humble and full of faith to revealing the Lord's strength in our lives. We don't have to push away from human weakness, deny it, or even despise it. Jonathan, King Saul's son, said in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. King David said it this way in Psalm chapter 20, verse 7, some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. And the Apostle Paul in the New Testament said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 9 and 10, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak then I am strong. God doesn't need a host of mighty warriors to win victories for him. Instead, he looks for those who will put their faith in him. With only 300 troops left for battle against the entire valley full of Midianites, Gideon once again is full of fear. God gives him a choice. Verse 9 shows choice number one go down to the Midianite camp because God is going to give it into your hands. Verse 10 shows choice number two. If you're afraid, go down to the Midianite camp and listen to what the Midianites soldiers are saying. A direct Hebrew translation of verse 10 says, but if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp. Either choice requires Gideon to face his fears, he must go down to the Midianite army. Gideon was afraid, so he chose option number two, go down and listen to the Midianite soldiers. While listening, eavesdropping, Gideon heard one soldier sharing a dream he had had. In the dream, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp it struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed, according to Judges chapter 7, verse 13. Barley was the poor man's food in the time of Gideon. Wheat was the preferred food for human consumption. The interpretation revealed in verse 14 was that Gideon and his men were the unimpressive barley loaf that would be used as an instrument of God to overturn the much more powerful tents of Midian dreams in the ancient near east were accorded great predictive value so for the midianite soldiers he understood the dream to mean that the god of israel was against midian and there was nothing they could do about it when gideon heard this dream and its interpretation, his faith grew. He immediately bowed down and worshiped God. Gideon was now ready to trust God's assurance of victory and move against the Midianites. In fact, his words in verse 15 convey complete confidence. He told the Israelites, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. In Hebrew, the verb translated has given conveys completed action. God had decreed it, and victory was already completed. But how would God give victory to 300 soldiers against such overwhelming odds? Gideon divided his 300 men into three companies of 100. Before leaving their camp, he equipped each man with a ram's horn trumpet, what is called a shofar, and a clay jar with a torch smoldering inside, according to verse 16. They took what they had in their possession. Shofars were used in Jewish worship. Clay jars were very common in the ancient Middle East. Moving forward quietly, the three companies surrounded the mostly slumbering Midianite encampment. Gideon, chose the right time for the the attack. It was the moment of the night that would maximize the element of surprise. The Midianite army had just changed guard in the night. The guards who had just got off duty would have been settling down for a night of sleep, thinking any danger had passed. The newly posted guards were likely not fully alert at the time, their eyes not fully adjusted to the darkness, nor their ears to the normal night sounds. Suddenly, piercing the stillness of the night, came the long, sharp blasts, first of a hundred, then 200, then 300 ram horns, horn trumpets. This would have likely terrorized every sleeping midnight raider. Then, the 300 soldiers of Gideon simultaneously smashed their clay jars, adding disharmony and mystery to the noise. As the Midianites emerged, panicked from their tents, their eyes met the smoky dimness. Then the flaring brightness of 300 torches surrounding their camp. Finally, the Israelites shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. The camp, it seemed, was under attack from all sides. Everything Gideon and his 300 men did, the trumpet blast, the smashing of the jars, the torches, the shouts, converged on the senses of the Midianites to convince them that they were about to be overwhelmed by an uncountable Israelite host. Where the Israelites had cried out to the Lord in Judges chapter 6, verse 6, now, according to Judges chapter 7, verse 21, the Midianites were running and crying as they fled. The Midianite panic was so great that God caused them to turn their swords on each other. God had won a great victory for Israel that day. God had used broken clay vessels that could no longer be used for their original purposes to accomplish his purpose. He still does this today, you know. We are all, after all, jars of clay with God as our treasure, our light living inside of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Let us today trust God for his victory in our lives so that everyone who looks at us will say, God was obviously the one who gave them victory. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinsdayorg slash podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.